So I was studying in a coffee shop this week and trying to put my head back together again after this Easter weekend. And uh, a guy that I know from CTK plopped down across from me and he said, I got three questions about Easter. Question number one, were the cardboard stories real? And I said, yeah, they were. He said, were those the actual people that were attached to those stories? I said, yeah, they were. His third story was, or his third question was awesome. He said, could God do that for me too? I said, yes. Yes, he can if if you're willing to be fully obedient to what God asked. You see, every one of those people who shared their story last weekend had a moment when they had to acknowledge that the way they were doing life was not working. They needed to have a moment when they chose full obedience to Jesus, regardless of whether he changed the cancer diagnosis, regardless of whether he saved their marriage, regardless of whether he got them out of jail. They had to fully devote themselves to obey God and cross the line. Well, this weekend, I'd like to introduce somebody to you, a guy by the name of Phil. Phil crosses a line of obedience in Acts chapter 8. He's a regular guy, works hard. I'm sure he had a family, just like me and you. According to Acts chapter 5 and 6, we find out that he volunteered at his church. But for the most part, he's just an ordinary guy until he crosses a line of faith and obedience. And then God uses his normal, ordinary life to completely transform another human being. This weekend, we're going to see a picture of Phil crossing the line in Acts chapter 8. So if you have a Bible, you can turn to Acts 8. If not, you can look on your outline. All of the scriptures will be there. And I'm going to have to move quickly. So pray for the PowerPoint guy that he doesn't sprain a finger trying to keep up. All right? So we find Phil in this story, first of all, crossing the line of direction. In Acts chapter 8, verse 26, scripture says this. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Go south to the road, the desert road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out and on his way, he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all of the treasury of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship and was on his way home, sitting in his chariot, reading the book of Isaiah, the prophet. And the spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. Okay. Let's have a totally real moment right here at the beginning of this message. I have spent my entire week trying to figure out a family-friendly way to explain to the congregation of Christ the King what a eunuch is. Anybody want my job right now? I mean, seriously, just switch for about three minutes. You could do this one. I'm going to do the best I can to explain it. Don't write me nasty letters. It's in the biblical text. Don't say my kid asked me an uncomfortable question on the way home because you used the word eunuch. Don't send me a letter unless, of course, what your kid asks is really, really funny. And then you can send that to me. Okay, so let me tell you what a eunuch is. A eunuch was a male who had been castrated so that he could oversee the king's harem and not get caught up in the king's business, if you understand what I'm talking about. All right? If you don't like my answer, you can come next week and I'll give you a circumcision text and you can try to do your thing, all right? So, that's in the Bible too, like it or not. How's my interpreter doing this morning? We're both blushing now, Kara. That's awesome. All right. All right. So that's the guy. I don't know why he's sitting by the side of the road reading a scroll. Okay. Phil is instructed by God to go and have a conversation with him. 
I love that direction. Go to the chariot and stand near it. Just go over there, Phil. I'm going to do something incredible. Here's the application for all of us. When God says go, you need to go. You need to go when the Holy Spirit says go. I mean, I don't know if you've ever been there before. God tells you to do something. If you're like me, you negotiate, right? Say, I don't want to do that. I don't want to be embarrassed. What if I'm wrong? What if I make this person feel weird? My friends, here's a challenge to every person here who calls Jesus Lord. The next time God tells you to do something, just do it. Don't hesitate. Don't hold back. Don't second guess yourself. Just move in. Some of you will say, God never speaks to me that way, Grant. Really? Then try this. The next time you see somebody crying somewhere, walk over and ask two questions. Are you okay? And can I help you? I promise you, through your availability, God will do something incredible. All right? Here's the second line that Philip crosses. He crosses the line of opportunity. The Bible says this, Then Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. Do you understand what you're reading? Philip asked. How can I? He said, unless someone explains it to me. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. I mean, think about it. Philip could have walked by. He could have argued with God, but he doesn't. Instead, the text tells us that when God tells him to go, he runs to the chariot. He runs. That means Philip was ready to go. He was planning on going. He was waiting for an opportunity. And when God opened up the door, he was right there in that moment. What's the point? Now, I know this is really deep theology this morning. Okay, everybody keep up with me. Here's the application. Not only do we need to go when the Holy Spirit says go, we need to act when the Holy Spirit says act. Someone asked me this past week, how did you guys get 7,000 plus people to come to Easter? And I said, we didn't do anything. God was stirring, and then he grabbed a hold of regular people, and all they did was cross the line of opportunity and invited family and friends to come here to hear the best news in the whole world that Jesus saved. That's what happened. The next line that's crossed is actually crossed by Phil's new friend from Ethiopia. We find this man, described in Scripture as a eunuch, crossing the line of honesty. Eunuch was actually reading the same passage of Scripture that we began this series with, called Crossing the Line. From Isaiah 53, Scripture says this, He was led like a sheep to the slaughter, as a lamb before its shearer is silent, so he did not open his mouth. In humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants, for his life was taken from the earth? The eunuch asked Philip, Tell me, please, who is the prophet talking about, himself or someone else? I mean, I love that. That's an honest question that deserves an honest answer. For those of you who are here and you're just trying to figure out how this Christianity thing works, you're just seeking after God. Maybe you came last week and for the very first time you heard that Jesus died on a cross for you, that he was entombed and that he was there for three days and that he was resurrected, that he came back to life again in order to be able to save your soul. Maybe it's the first time that you've ever heard that. Maybe you've been estranged from God. Maybe you grew up in the church and somewhere along the line you got bitter or sin got involved in your life and now you're just slowly finding your way back home. What I need you to know as the pastor of this church is this. You can ask questions here. You can ask whatever you want to. We're not going to be intimidated or thrown if you ask a good, solid question. I mean, I think everybody's got questions. Why does God allow pain? Why is there evil in the world? Why do I have to go through a process? Why can't God just snap his fingers and fix my life and make it perfect? Those are good questions. They're not bad. 
Here's the application. When you don't know an answer, ask. It would make sense, right? When you don't know an answer, ask. To those of you who are believers, I've got a suggestion for how to handle it when somebody comes and asks you a question. And the suggestion is this. Be prepared with a humble answer and don't be afraid to say, I don't know, but I'll find out. I mean, there's nothing worse. Drives me nuts. When somebody comes with an honest seeking question and somebody decides to go all church on them, right? They use all this religious jargon that just confuses people. I mean, if somebody comes and asks you a real deep question about life, what good is it if your response is, well, you know, according to the Latin Vulgate and the existential approach to the sovereignist position, I would theorize that the reason your life sucks is because that's just the way it is. You know, here you go. Here's a bumper sticker and a verse, and that'll make you feel better. What? Seriously. You know what happens when we lie about, not, not about an answer like that? We reinforce the position that a lot of people believe about Christians, which is this. We stick spiritual band-aids on real bullet holes, and people bleed to death. Not here. Not here. As the family of God, I believe we have a responsibility to answer those questions. And if we don't know, to be honest and say, I don't know the answer to your question, but I'm going to go find out for you. Can we meet in one week and I'll do my best to explain it to you? Okay? The unit crosses the line of honesty and then Philip steps up and we find him crossing the line of boldness. Verse 35 says this, Then Philip began with that very passage of Scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. He just lays it out. He says, the man who was slaughtered, the man who gave his life on a cross, the man who didn't defend himself so that he could save your soul, that man's name was Jesus Christ. And he was dead on Friday, but he was alive on Sunday, and that's why we do Easter. I mean, here's an application for everybody today. When you're in doubt and in conversation, speak about Jesus. And don't talk about what you've done for him. Who cares? Talk about what he's done for you. Talk about how he saved you and transformed your life and took you from this direction and sent you in a different direction. I mean, I got asked last week, Grant, don't you ever get tired talking about Jesus? No! I never get tired because you don't understand. I don't, I honestly believe I would not be alive today if Jesus hadn't saved my life. I would, certainly wouldn't be doing this. I'd probably be running a con game somewhere, Right? How can we ever get tired of talking about a man who transforms human lives? It's okay. You can ignore all this movement around here. That's just all the baptismal people heading off to go and get wet. And I just think that's awesome. All right. We'll see you in a bit, gang. We'll see you in a bit. Awesome. Here's the last one, okay? It's crossing the line of obedience. You see, this story ends up at a baptismal service. You know where we're going to end our service today? It just fits, right? So we find him crossing the line of obedience. Scripture says this. Here's the end, end of the story. As they traveled along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, look, here is water. Why shouldn't I be baptized? He gave orders to stop the chariot. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and Philip baptized him. 
When they came up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away and the eunuch didn't see him again, but went on his way rejoicing. Philip, however, appeared at Azotus and traveled about preaching the gospel in all of the towns that he re- until he reached Caesarea. I mean, I know we're not being really theologically deep here today. So here's the only, extra, or only application that I have for those of you who are here today who say you followed Christ, you understand that Jesus stepped over the line of death and life in order to save your soul, and yet you have never crossed the line of obedience when it comes to baptism. Here's the application. Stop with the excuses and obey. I got one person with me. That's awesome. I mean, think about this. If you know Jesus is your personal Savior, if you know that Jesus crossed every line for you, if you know that Jesus has called all of us as his followers to take this step, how do your, how do your excuses hold up, right? I don't want to get my hair wet. Are you kidding me? I can't do it until grandma can come. If granny loves Jesus, she would rebuke you for your obedience and throw you in the tank herself if she was here. You know, I'm allergic to water. Oh, really? Okay, let's try that, all right? Whatever the excuse as a follower of God, I have the same question to you that the Ethiopian asked my friend Phil. Here's water. Why shouldn't you be baptized? <laughs> I love that question. It gets real quiet when I ask it. Here's water. Why shouldn't you be baptized? You know what's cool about coming at 10 o'clock? There's one more service. Every person that's being baptized today had a Philip in their life. Somebody who came along and answered their questions, who told them about Jesus, and then helped them be obedient. Christ the King, I got a question for you. Who's Philip for you? If your answer is nobody, you're missing your calling as a follower of God. You're missing your calling. See, every one of these people has a story. I wish we had time to talk through all of the stories. We just finished 12 steps. We've got former everythings getting baptized today. Former addicts. Former wounded people. Former religious people. And today they're just going to get real in front of this church family and you get to watch. We're going to have a number of children baptized. I don't want you to ever think that this is a secondary or second-rate baptism. Every one of these kids had to stand and tell us why they were being baptized. They made a profession of faith this morning, and you're going to have to trust me that the pastor did a good job. In fact, something really cool is happening in that corner of the worship center right now. All the kids from Fun Zones are coming over here to watch the baptism today, which is pretty cool. So, hey kids, Pastor Scott, how you doing guys? We're glad you're here. Awesome. It's cool. I wish we could tell the stories, but I need you to know what this moment is. Baptism is a public statement of what has happened internally. Every one of these people has given their testimony, so we know they have crossed the line of obedience and faith, and now they're going public with their love for Jesus Christ. 
Some of these people getting baptized are six days old in Jesus because they accepted the Lord last weekend at Easter. How cool is that? And now they're going to take this stand and take this step. And I don't know how you do it where you come from, but I can tell you how we do it at CTK. When somebody goes into that water and they go under the water and they are buried and identifying with the death of Jesus, when they come back up out of the water, identifying with his resurrection power, we get really excited about that. We think it's awesome. So we cheer and we clap because we see God is doing great things. So I'm going to ask for all of those folks who are being baptized to come this way. Pastor Sean's going to lead him. Nice short, Sean. Those are cool, dude. Yeah. Let's welcome them as they're coming. This is a big thing. Awesome. Awesome. No, we're not done yet. Keep clapping. Come on. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. All right. It's good. We're going to pray over them because we're their family and these are our brothers and sisters. So I'm gonna invite you, if you feel comfortable, just to extend a hand towards this part of our family. We're gonna bless them today. Jesus, thank you for doing all of this work. Thank you for miraculously saving 17 kids and 23 adults. God, thank you for the work you've done in their heart to bring them to this moment. Thank you that we get to watch them cross the line of obedience. God, would you cement and seal this moment in their heart? We understand that this doesn't mean they're going to be perfect. We do understand that the enemy is not happy about this at all. So we pray spiritual protection over our brothers and sisters. May they know the security of being right smack dab in the palm of God's hand. We love them today. We pledge to walk with them. Would you come and be a part of this moment, Jesus, and all of God's people said together, amen and amen.